Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Welcome to September here on Around the Hearn. A lot of big things to get to news-wise, some wrestling news that just broke in the last couple of hours. But two terrific guests, Kaylee Yoder, the volleyball coach at St. Mary's, and Kenny Gilholy from Your News Now Sports. Both terrific interviews and both talking about things going on. Coach Yoder talks about the big matchup that Audible Glendorf's got here in just a couple of hours with St. Mary's. Those two will square off at the Supreme Court in a volleyball action coming up in a bit. Titans coming off of a school record 12 service aces for Maddie White, the senior. And those two on a collision course. Titans sit at the top half of the Western Buckeye League. St. Mary's trying to get it going 0-6 and 0-1 in the league so far. But Coach talks about that and about everything that is going on with her program. The big news from the OHSA. The dual team wrestling state tournament is not going to be held in 2021. Now, this isn't necessarily a straight-up COVID thing, but the OHSA has been trying to cut back costs to keep all 29 sports afloat. That's exactly what they say this is, a cost-cutting measure, but the individual tournament will still happen as it is scheduled. So that's uh, at least a little bit of good news as far as things go on the wrestling front. What the world even looks like by then, who knows. But uh, anytime you can get any piece of good news, that's great. Uh, the Lima News has an article that talks about this Friday night, the Battle of Ogles County is Wapakoneta and is St. Mary's. You can hear that game, actually, with myself and Dennis Cisco on K94. Pre-game starting at 6.15 and the uh, kickoff around 7. Last week, Wapakoneta was walking wounded. They were missing five starters due to various injuries. But this week, that Lima News article I was talking about said Wapak will be without 11 starters. Due to coronavirus-related issues, they've had a lot going on in the past two weeks over there. 146 kids, I think I heard, were quarantined at one point. Um, a, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts, obviously, and what that ball game will be. But as of I sit here recording this on Thursday afternoon, that game's still going on. So uh, what that means and what that looks like, I don't know. But uh, I'm excited to call the game anyways. It's always a terrific time when those two get together last year. Went to overtime in Wapakoneta, was won by the Redskins two years ago, came down to a pass interference play in the fourth quarter that ultimately ended up deciding, but the first time that these two teams will meet at Grand Lake Health Systems Field. Uh, speaking of the COVID concerns, Lipsick and Pandora Gaboa had to have theirs postponed. Lipsick, I believe, just played Columbus Grove a couple of days ago in a five-set match, but they've got some uh, COVID stuff at Lipsick. So they are taking a precaution. And on the flip side of that, Hopewell Loudon will start their football season against Gibsonburg. They've been cleared to open on Labor Day for the 2020 season. They had previously not played because they'd had some COVID stuff going on up there. But it looks like things are better now, and the Chieftains will get started against Gibsonburg. Bluffton University finally got sort of a green light. Men's golf starts tomorrow. The women's starts next week. Cross country starts in about 10 days. But they're going to put together a limited number of football, volleyball, and soccer events in October. So anytime that you hear a school go from nothing to something happening, it's always good news. Uh, things may be under control, maybe starting to slow down a little bit. Maybe the world is getting back to normal, whatever that means at this point. But uh, I always love to hear about schools getting started as opposed to having to slow down. And a shout-out to the team of the week. This is uh, something I want to make more of an effort to do here in the fall, through the winter, in the spring, as we're not all that far from this show being a year old, amazingly. And there have been some terrific guests, and I've got a couple uh, waiting to hear back from the next couple of days that are going to be on here that I think you'll enjoy as well. But the team of the week, the Van Wert Boys soccer team, had lost 28 straight matches dating back to 2016. They beat Defiance 3-2 on a Tuesday for their first win since 2016. So that makes them our uh, around-the-hearn team of the week. Who's happy most about that? 
Lee Kinsel. You'll hear from them and then from St. Mary's volleyball coach Kaylee Yoder and your News Now Sports, Katie Gohuli on the other side here on Around the Hearn. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Talking high school volleyball now here on the show with the head coach of the St. Mary's Rough Riders and Kayla Yoder. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Terrific. Uh, kind of a slow start to the season so far. You sit 0-6 right now, but I've read a lot where you talk about kind of things come together for a set, maybe a set and a half, just haven't been able to kind of put that together for three sets. Yeah, um, I've been talking a lot to my team lately about just the consistency of play. Uh, we are, we do have um, six returning starters, uh, but we're also pulling up our the three freshmen. Um, we have uh, quite a young team. Um, we only have we have the four seniors, and then um, the freshmen that we have are really getting a lot of playing time. So we're just working on consistency and high level of play. You know, not being scared of making mistakes and just uh, making teams earn every point across the net from us. I've heard a lot of good things about, and you talked about it in the kind of the preseason stuff about Hallie Houston and about kind of uh-huh. her IQ for the game and how yeah. it's it's looked at by a couple of WBL coaches that I talked to that they believe she's going to be one of the better players going through her high school career in the WBL. Yeah, um, Hallie Houston, um, all, of, all of the young girls. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from my senior class. They are great leaders. They also have great uh, volleyball IQ, but the talent coming up, um, you know, they're getting a lot of playing time for the simple fact that they have um, great court awareness. Uh, we're really just working on getting those young girls out of their out of their shells. And um, you know, I keep telling them, you have to make me notice you on the court. I want I want you to shake off the nerves and just play the way you know how to play. So you get this job, and in your first season, you have probably one of the oddest transitions in terms of everything that goes on what's this year like for you from the time you take the job in may trying to build up the program all right we might get some summer stuff and then kind of how it played out before your season started yeah so um it was just i i have to honestly just um sing praise for my players and my other coaches they have just done an amazing job you know being able to um roll with the punches and take it day by day, you know, willing to practice when we need to practice, um, longer practices. Uh, we had a quarantine actually for the first, um, almost two weeks of the season. We weren't able to get into the gym until August 6th. So that first week of practice, we were practicing two times a day, um, for two and a half hours, you know, just trying to, um, get our team rolling, get players used to one another, so, I, honestly, it's just been this day-by-day kind of season so far. We're, we are starting to get, you know, into a routine, um, thankfully. I Again, I just I have to tell you how proud I am of my girls and of the coaching staff just being able to stick with me. And, you know, it's, I would just text them early in the morning or text them late at night saying, hey, this is what's happening, and they've just been able to go with it. So, Who do you think got more sick of Zoom, you or them? Um, <laughs> honestly, it's text messages and phone calls and we just, um, lots of communication on my end. I'm sure they're like, what does she want now? <laughs> but they, they've been doing, they've honestly been doing a great job and I preach communication to the girls, um, on and off the court. So they're, they'll probably get more sick of me as the season goes on, really. <laughs> I've heard a ton of coaches say in interviews over the last six months, you know, I don't text. And now that I'm having to do this over and over, I, I'm not sure how I feel that I've become quite good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am a um, texting person by nature. I think it's just the quickest way of communication. And the girls really appreciate it. And, you know, we utilize the band app um, for reminders and scheduling and stuff like that. So the girls 
are constantly in contact with me, and I don't really, you know, tell them a time frame. They they can text me early in the morning. They can text me later in the evening. It doesn't really bother me either way. So <laughs> I'm I'm okay with any any type of communication is better than none at all. So <laughs> it's true. Is it a little different for you going from uh, I can say this going from Salina, going from Wright State Lake, wearing all the green, all the gold to <laughs> Now you look at your wardrobe, and it's uh, it's all blue stuff. Yeah, it's re- it's really making a transition on the on the color wheel. <laughs> um, um, I told a couple of people, you know, the the blue only hurt, you know, a couple times the first time I had to put it on. But you know, I have family in St. Mary's, and I'm just happy to be back in the area um, where there's great competition and just a love for sports and our athletes in general. I so. just always like to laugh about that <laughs> anytime that it seems like. There are a lot of coaches from one side or the other uh, go across the lake. They say kind of the same thing. You know, at first I, I thought it was a little odd, and then I was like, all right, well, it's an opportunity to coach, and I'm grateful, and I just had to get used to it. Yeah, yeah, honestly, you know, I'm I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to be back around here. Um, living out in Arizona just kind of made me appreciate the sense of community that all the sports around here have, the um, great competition that both the WBL and the Mac bring to our schedule. So I'm just, again, I feel completely blessed for the opportunity to um, be in charge of a program like St. Mary's. Last time out, 3 nothing loss to New Knoxville. Sort of uh, what didn't go right in that matchup? Um, it's, you know, kind of the um, same story for us. I think um, we can start out really well or we start out a little slower and then we're either digging ourselves a hole or, you know, um, serve receive just isn't going as, as we planned. Um, our main focus is taking care of the ball on our side, passing really well, and then having um, our setters give it to a hitter that's really going to be able to finish and get that kill. So um, I think our defense is working hard and they're keeping the ball in play for us. Now we just need to really work on our offensive part of the game and, um, our hitters really need to focus on just putting the ball away. Well, the last couple of nights is any indication your next matchup at Out of Glendorf, the Supreme Court, not an easy place to win. The last team to do it was actually Salina in 09 in the WBO, mm-hmm. but they had a big serve performance. Matty White had 12 aces a couple of nights ago. Knowing how you're going to kind of how her spin is, do you prepare your girls differently to receive that? Um, yeah, practices are really um, have been lately very uh, defensive heavy, serve receive heavy. Um, just a lot of different drills. We, I'm okay with the girls uh, changing up who's in serve receive based on you know how people are passing game by game. Um, it's just a communication factor for us on the court. Um, the girls, you know, if they make a mistake, they just have to be willing to shake it off. As far as preparation for a strong serving team, we'll definitely go through our lineup, um, see who's more than comfortable to be back there passing. And I just keep telling the girls, you have to want to pass the ball. You have to be back there. You can't be scared of any server who's behind the line on the other side. I swear I hear a little bit of a setter mentality there from, and it makes sense <laughs> coming from you. Yeah, um, I, I honestly, I kind of, I put a lot on my setter shoulders game. Um, they're really running the offense. They tell the hitters where to go. Um, defense also, I just think defense wins games. Um, and our defense and our setters are telling the hitters where to go, um, how to cut the ball onto the court, how to stay away or tool the block. So, um, yeah, my setters, I have a sophomore and a freshman, and they both have been doing a phenomenal job. Uh, tons of that. Now we're just working on finishing. Well, I uh, look forward to what you're going to do in your tenure there. I wish you guys nothing but the best. Thank you. I really I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and more seasons to come. That's St. Mary's volleyball coach Kaylee Yoder back here in just a few. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kensel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? Uh, no. How so? Well, you got your Lee Kensel team starters who have all the experience and can really make things happen, like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. Yep, deep bench there for sure. Then you got the front office personnel. That's all of us. You know, you're right. Lee Kensel Chevy Buick GMC is a lot like a sports team. And if you add in our playbook, which includes so many ways to score on a new or pre-owned car truck, the simile is complete. It is. And with our biggest in the area, Lee Kinsel Selection, a customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. 
sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Like Chevrolet says, find new roads. And Danny, yeah, coach, I hope you can dance. We need some cheerleaders. Talking about local media on this show, I've said forever we've had a lot of people who cover sports in the area sort of giving their perspective. And I've had this young lady's boss on before. It's a very low-rated episode with Jason Geyser, but... <laughs> University of Alabama graduate and Katie Gilhooly is in a completely different world right now. Not only with driving in the land of Dollar Generals, but you've uh, you've gotten quite a bit uh, of a different look at sort of how the world works. I would imagine. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would. I think different parts of the country are obviously have similar and um, differences, but. Uh, I tell people all the time, for as much as the South and the Midwest are different, they are very similar. Um, just the people. I think they're still, you know, people talk about Southern hospitality, but I've, you know, been welcomed with, with open arms here in Northwest Ohio. So um, while I do believe Southern hospitality exists, I think the people around here are, pr- are pretty nice, too. So you can pat yourselves on the back for that one um, because... Uh, we, we still have. I grew up in a decently rural part of Alabama, so um, we still have cornfields and, and cotton fields and soybean fields and all that stuff. Maybe a little less than they do than I drive through around here when, I, when I'm making my rounds, but um, it wasn't too, too much of a culture shock, and I've really kind of um, enjoyed my, my year and a half, a little over a year and a half here in the, the Lima area. Isn't it crazy how quickly that goes by? Oh yeah, it's, yeah. I can't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like I've been here that long. Now, when I think about the the seasons, I guess I've been here. Then I think, okay, well, you know, I've seen two basketball seasons already, or almost two basketball seasons. So that makes it. And I'm in my second football season, so that makes it seem a little bit longer. But when I think about moving here last February, it's like, wait a second, it's really been that long. I think it's because you haven't gotten a truly bad Ohio winter is what it is. You get one of those and you're, well, why don't I just go back let's, home? Let's hope it stays that way because if you know me or follow me on social media when the snow starts coming, I complain and I, I apologize, but I just I hate winter. I hate winter in the south, which I grew up in North Alabama, so um, it's still, I mean, it got decently cold there we had snow days and it would ice and very seldom did it hang around for more than the morning or anything like that um you know we didn't have snow on the ground for days at a time and piles of snow in parking lots for months at a time that that was not something that that i was used to but um i hated it then and so the prolonged winter that we have here i it's not my favorite, but it kind of <laughs> goes through it. I, I bundle up. <laughs> it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about before. Was if you think drivers uh, are not good now, just wait. <laughs> that'll that'll be yeah, terrible. It, it's uh, it's difficult. I I don't like driving. I know it's people around here. They they're used to it. But when I first moved up here, I was like. My dad's from Chicago, so he would drive in the snow a lot. I feel like he'd be like giving me pointers on what to do if I hit like icy patches or black ice or whatever. Because you just, I don't know that I ever, I'm trying to think. I don't know. We got out for like what we called or dubbed a snowpocalypse in Alabama. It was a very <laughs> unforeseen um, ice storm that came through that like, shut down the state. Uh, people may remember because I remember it made like national news because there were people stranded on the interstate in Birmingham um, because there was like ice and we don't have salt trucks. They don't have salt trucks in Alabama. So we, we use sand, um, which sort of helps. So like it doesn't melt, but it doesn't melt the ice. It just tries to keep the ground from like the ice from adhering to the asphalt. Um, but it doesn't melt the ice. So we don't have any defense. Um, to like icy roads, you just have to wait till it melts. And it was just, it was unseasonably cold. And we for were out you. of school for like three days. Yeah, well, it, it was cold enough that ice stayed on the ground for three days, which is, not, yeah, that's not normal for us. 
I'm pretty sure um, that was a I, meme at one point. It was just people in Ohio oh, think, yeah. oh, that's cute. Yeah, no, and I'm sure, like, and, and on my own, my defense is always like, well, you guys get to, like, melt it with snow, with ice or salt trucks. Like, that's helpful, you know? We just had to let it melt, and um, <laughs> it was kind of, like, out of the blue, and people were trying to get home from work and school, and they ended up getting, there were, like, wrecks, and then emergency vehicles couldn't get to the wrecks, and then people were running out of gas. Like, it was, it was a disaster. Um, but other than that, I don't remember there ever being a time where I would have had to have driven on in inclement weather um that wasn't a tornado that we have obviously have <laughs> those I, are our that's more of our weather than than snow or, or ice i remember that being crazy because i remember hearing uh, a handful of my friends down south down around atlanta saying mm-hmm. uh we just shut atlanta down we just come back later yeah. like don't even try to come through right now yeah there were kids i remember it didn't get, like, it, it shut my hometown down, quote-unquote. We were out of school for a few days just because there were some, like, well, they don't have snow piles either. They use front loaders to try and get the snow and ice, but it, like, messes up the road. So it, like, pulls those reflector things off because it's not made, obviously, plow. Right. Um, so they try not to use that. Um, but I was in, like, a pretty, I guess, to lack of a better term, like, rural part of my city. Um, and they didn't, like, it was like on right on the city county like line, and so they didn't come on our road. So my family was actually like literally stuck like in our house for three days. Um, but Birmingham is a lot hillier; it's a lot mount- more mountainous, and some of those inclines obviously freeze quicker. So there, there was like some actual like issues <laughs> in Birmingham. There were kids that ended up spending the night at their high school because, like, they couldn't get out um, because people's parents, like, there were cars, like, stranded on the side of the road. Like, it was kind of a whole mess. Um, and I know we, we took a lot of heat for, you know, southerners don't know how to drive in snow, but I try to defend and say, while that is true, <laughs> we also, like, don't have any defense mechanisms to, like, make it any easier for us to get around <laughs> in snow or ice because we don't spend money on ice trucks that we might use once every 10 years. So. Well, and it's a crazy thing because my wife and I were in Las Vegas a couple of years ago and we were headed to the south side of the strip and it was mm-hmm. pouring out there and they don't have any drainage because it never really rains and it was just one of those yeah. freak things. And it immediately became, you could tell who was from a place that had weather that they had to go through because there were certain people you could just see their hands and them freak out. And I just kind of put my hand on the wheel and said, all right, you people have never, oh, that's right. You've never had rain before. <laughs> it's just one yeah. of those weird things. Yeah. I mean, the, the climate change around the parts of the country are definitely, they're definitely, I think one of the biggest differences as far as getting used to living somewhere new, especially for me. Um, you know, we have tornado warnings and, hurricanes and all that kind of stuff you know all, all year round basically we don't really have a severe weather season because it's just so humid and stuff down there um but we never deal with ice or snow so it's like give or take when you, when you move to to a different part of the country well speaking of the hurricane obviously that being a big thing right now how is everybody back home yeah everyone's good um they escaped both ends of both Laura and um, whatever the other one was. What, I don't even remember the one. That one kind of broke up before it hit. We thought we thought they may um, get Laura, but she went she went more towards uh, Louisiana. We have family in Houston too. Um, they were fine, so it, it ended up you know being good for for my relatives uh, in Mississippi, Alabama. Um, but Lake Charles obviously took a huge hit. And, um, I actually got to cover Hurricane Michael um, about almost two years ago, I guess. It's a terrible name for a hurricane. (laughs) Right. Um, And, you know, I had grown up, my grandparents always having lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It was always kind of a thing. They went through Katrina, and that was devastating for them while they didn't live close enough to really deal with any storm surge. they live in an old pecan orchard and like every single tree in their neighborhood was 
laid over and uh, they didn't have power for a long time and they just needed help. So we, we drove down there and I got to see us kind of a, I think I was like 12, 13, um, kind of firsthand, like what weather can do. And then almost 10 years later, 15 years later, got to cover Michael near the same area and the differences in the two storms and all that. So it, it's devastating just to see um, all the damage in Lake Charles. But I always tell people in times like that, you really find, I think, the good in humanity again because uh, there are so many stories out of Panama City a couple years ago where people were just willing to to give back and help out and, you know, help their neighbors. And it is kind of as devastating as it was and, you know, to be walking over what was people's homes and businesses while talking to them, they all, they were all so positive and they were all, um, you know, these are just things like we're alive. And I think it just kind of renews your, your faith in, in humanity when, when stuff like that happens. So, you know, my, my thoughts and prayers go out to people in, in Southwest Louisiana. Um, but I have no doubt that, that they'll come back bigger and stronger because I think people always do, um, after things like that. So. It would be fascinating to listen to the two versions of the Katie's have a conversation kind of about how they look at that and see how your view from then to now has sort of changed, but probably in some ways stayed the same. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, you know, my mom lives in, I don't know how familiar you are with hurricane uh, (laughs) uh, history, but uh, Camille was like one of the biggest, uh, and and it has gone down in history for one of the most damaging hurricanes. And it hit the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, my mom was, um, I don't know how old she was. but She's not going to like you to say it anyways. Well, I'm trying to remember. I think she was in, like, elementary school when it, when it happened. And um, I remember her always telling stories growing up about, you know, there are a lot of pine trees in Mississippi. And just they were, like, in their house and, um, she just said the, the pine, like hearing, like the sounds of like hearing the hurricane pass, um, were some of the most memorable because they're unlike anything else. And, you know, you board up your house and you prepare as best as you can and all those things. But she said the pine trees like snapping sounded like two fits, like breaking. And it was just hours upon, you know, hours of that. Uh, and they, survived that and with minimal damage and then uh, 20 30 years later Katrina hit my grandparents house and they survived that too so I but I got to kind of see that firsthand and I don't think you really realize that 12 13 years old like what how powerful I guess weather and nature are um but it, 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 it I think from a from an early age I started to respect it a little bit more and then you know 15 some odd years later got the opportunity to, to see another monster storm and the effects that it had on such a large area. My, that was the thing about Michael. Like, when we got in our um, unit at my old TV station that I worked at in Birmingham and drove down, we got to the Alabama Florida state line, which was a hundred miles from Panama city. And we could already, there was already dense, like people had lost power. There were power lines down. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness. Like, if this is what this looks like a hundred miles, I, I had no idea what we were about to drive into. Um, and the difference between, I guess what I saw between Katrina and Michael, Katrina was a, a, what you hear about a hurricane as far as a water event. There's a lot of storm surge and you could tell where the tide had come in and basically just taken things out to sea with it. Um, Cause that's kind of, you know, how it works. Uh, Michael, there wasn't as much water damage. There wasn't a lot of standing water. There wasn't a lot of, uh, like half of buildings, like pulled back out of the sea. That's kind of what it looks like is bottoms of, of people's, um, homes and businesses are kind of just like washed out from under them. Um, Michael looked like a hundred mile wide tornado went through, um, the Panama city area. It was just a lot of wind damage and things like, um, laid over and in, you know, a lot of broken glass, a lot of things that had obviously flown through windows and been kind of picked up and put down. So there was definitely a difference there. Um, 
in what I saw. Obviously, I'm not a meteorologist or any sort of scientist, <laughs> but just from my... I play one my, on TV. Right, well, uh, just from my, uh, you know, uneducated eye, I guess, those, those are the two big differences. Um, and obviously the, the photos and, and videos that I've seen from Lake Charles, it seems like there's been a lot of flooding, which for, for that part of the country, it, that's for people that don't know, Lake Charles is very marshy. Um, there's a lot of like intercoastal waterways and stuff. So it makes sense um, that, that there was some flooding there um, because of just the way that the, the, the territory is kind of set up. It's interesting because it's one of those things where it's, it's such an awe-inspiring thing, but it's, man, I hope I never see this again just because of what it does to people and what kind of displacing them and everything like that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's, an, it's a weather event unlike anything else because not only does it kind of involve water and wind and all that stuff, you know, there are tornadoes that spin up in the middle of them, and um, depending on which side of the hurricane you're on. Obviously the right side of the eye is worse than the left side because of the way the rotation works. So depending on, you know, where the hurricane hits, um, based on how many days out, they can kind of tell which way it's going to go. Um, you can be one, (laughs) one town can be spared and the next one could be flooded. And it's just kind of crazy. Um, the, the way that, that those form and, Obviously, they churn down there in the Gulf because the water is so warm. But um, it's yeah, it's definitely awe inspiring, and it's definitely oh my goodness, the fact that nature can do this, um, but devastating at the same time. Like you said, it's weird that when you get to work, you're going to be able to walk in and just tell the meteorologist, you know, I talked about the weather probably about as much as you will today. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, Adam and Cameron and I uh, talk a lot. They know I'm kind of like a weather nerd. I think in another life, um, I would want to be like a storm chaser. I you think that would be something that would be really cool. Oh, I'm, I love Jim Cantori. Yeah, I, I love, I think it's the adrenaline rush, but I think because hurricanes are something that is interesting to me, I guess it's kind of cynical in a way, but. Hurricanes, tornadoes, severe weather. I think because I just grew up in the middle of all of it, um, it's, it's something that I enjoy learning about. Um, I like learning about how weather works. I'm not big. I'm not a big science person, so my science uh, interest kind of stops at the basics of how our weather works. But um, yeah, we we chat. They always like to come in and chat about. Um, so we were kind of following the hurricane, following Laura as it was making landfall. I actually stayed up and was like scrolling through tw- Twitter. If you saw my Twitter feed, there was like a bunch of retweets of storm chasers that were like in hotels in Lake Charles that were just getting obliterated while they were in them, which that freaks me out. I don't know. I'm of the belief like if a hurricane's coming, you know, a few days out, you should just leave. Um, yeah, I'm leaving town. Depending on where you live. Yeah, depending on where you live. But like my gra- I always say, like, my grandparents always say, but for them, um, they're 15 miles, 20 miles from the beach. They would never, I mean, it would have to take a tsunami. I don't even know if tsunami would, but, like, they're really far away. They only have to ever deal with, like, wind damage and stuff. And um, even then, by the time hurricanes make landfall, most of the time, they obviously start to lose some of their, they need that water to, to, to maintain that energy so um but yeah it's if you were to live on if like my parents being on an island in alabama they would leave and if they didn't i would just tell them but i would make them leave yeah they're and and they're inland on the island too and they have dunes and stuff that are that are supposed to um help protect them from storm surge but um yeah they would need to leave because they live a little bit closer to to harm's way than, than my grandparents do a little bit inland on the coast. So. so it's funny. You mentioned social media and that's where I recently found out that you are a lover of bad jokes because oh, um, I, I laughed at the, was a thing that you shared about how, when you were a producer, you gave the weatherman a joke and all I could think of was oh, my yeah. dad would absolutely love that joke. And because of that, that means it has to be a terrible joke. 
Um, yeah, it was, so I used to be a producer in Birmingham before I came here. And um, anywhere from, sometimes I would do our noon show, which is a little more lighthearted. And was friends with, with both anchors. And so I used to try and make that show a little bit more fun. It was National Joke Day or International Joke Day. And we were just kind of messing around. And um, I was like, I had found that weather joke. And I told our, our meteorologist. And I didn't know he was going to say it on air. But he did. And there we are. But, I, you know, it worked. It got the people laughing. So, And that's the point of a joke, right? I, I assume even it's like Jason. It's, even if it's... <laughs> He's probably got a ton of uh, bad dad jokes, I would imagine. <laughs> um, I don't know. He's not shared any of those with me, so. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Um, also, because you had mentioned it, and I had seen a couple of posts about it in general, it's a big thing. It's kind of there's a big division right now in how women are viewed in sports because of social media. Um, how does that kind of, how do you see that? It's, it's an odd thing right now. Um, yeah, I think my belief has always been that, uh, you know, male or female, we all do the same thing. And, you know, for me personally, I just always want to be judged by the quality and content of, of the work that I produce or, or produce, um, no matter what gender I am um you know I know we're obviously males and females are obviously different and um you know you want to be you want people to be celebrated for um I guess breaking the glass ceiling because it still is a male-dominated field um but at the same time like for me I just I just want people to like what I do and enjoy what I do not not because I'm a, a female or because I'm a girl but but because I'm they enjoy what I do and uh, they think I'm good at what I do. So that's kind of always been my philosophy. Um, you know, I, I think there might be women out there who have differences of opinions there, but I think it, the the main thing is that we just all want to be respected like our male counterparts um, because it's, at the end of the day, we all do the same thing. It is kind of a weird catch-22. I've always noticed that, and especially the last 10 or 15 years doing more uh, kind of TV stuff is – People in social media is a general cesspool, anyways. But it it gives anybody kind of an option of, you know, for instance, I'll go after someone, and not because I don't like that, I don't like their work or their tone or whatever. No, especially women of, well, she can't dress like that on television. Well, why? Why I can't take her seriously because of whatever article of clothing? And I've always thought that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, I think that I think that just comes back from there's obviously societal standards or uh, taboo or, or whatever you want to call it that you know we've generations have learned and um, you know I, I think that just because somebody's on TV or, or whatever you shouldn't I mean how often do you walk in the grocery store and look at somebody and what they're wearing and say, Oh my God, probably never. Cause you're just more focused on whatever you need to do. Um, I kind of have the same philosophy about TV. Like we're at work and we're doing our job. It just happens to be in front of people. Um, and while everyone goes to work, I hope that they go to work and dress what, and what they deem professional for what they're doing. Um, that that's all that, that we're trying to do. And, um. Yeah, I, I, it's, there's definitely a fine line there in, in being um, appropriate, but everyone needs to be appropriate. Um, you know, despite whether you're a male or a female, for some reason, there's kind of a a mixed bag of of what people deem appropriate for women, whereas they don't really <laughs> they don't really look at what men wear. Um, so I think there's kind of a double standard there. Um, you know, I, I try to always present myself in a professional manner and, um, uh, but I don't want my clothing to be the focus of what I do. Cause it's not, um, what I say and, and the words that I say and the things that I write, those are what I spend a lot of my time on. I get up in the morning and spend about as much time on what I wear as probably the average person does. Um, so I, that's kind of been my philosophy that, 
you know, we're all just coming in to do our job. And if you wouldn't critique your coworkers job in a, you know, nine to five office job, then I, I don't know why it's, it's so important, uh, what, what we wear, um, in this industry. Um, cause we're just, we're just here to, to, to share our, our main goal is to share, um, stories from local athletes in this area. Um, it's not to, to, to look pretty or to, you know, be whatever. I enjoy sports and I just happen to be a girl. <laughs> that's kind of the end of the, end of the, that's kind of where the buck stops for me. Well, I can tell you just from my own personal that I love watching when you're on just because I can see that what, like you're talking about, you love sports and it's infectious to where you genuinely love what you're doing, love the athletes that you're covering. And I feel like it immediately shows to a viewer from home that, Hey, I, I will give you everything I have on this because I spent time on this. I actually didn't just write it off and it's not just one little thing. I actually am here and I enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, I really do. And I think it speaks volume and I, and I appreciate your, your kind words there. That, that means a lot to me because that's, that's my goal. Um, I want the people who watch me to, to be as excited about what I'm doing as I am every day. Um, I, I say this a lot and I always sound like a broken record, I think, because every time I get the opportunity to talk about Northwest Ohio, I, I give them a huge pat on the back because coming from a state that holds sports to a, to a high esteem, um, high school sports and college sports and, and whatnot, um, there's, I have never experienced anything like what I've experienced here in Northwest Ohio as far as just the pure fandom for just kids that, that, you know, are playing football in high school. I mean, or any sport in high school. Um, you know, I talk about that all the time. There's a lot of, um, there's a big following for high school football in Alabama. Um, as far as whether it's your looking at recruits or who's going to Alabama and Auburn or, or what it may be. And basketball is, is, similar in the sense but after you get out of kind of those big two i mean baseball to a certain extent depending on where in the, in the state you are um but after that you pretty much are going to find a handful of people at any given volleyball soccer whatever um that's not the case here i mean i will never forget going to a playoff volleyball game at a lot of field house uh against two mac teams and the whole dang thing was filled and i have never uh, that was I was just astonished because that I would I mean I won't say it had never happened in Alabama but I'd never seen it and I as a student would have never gone um I, I probably went to a handful of volleyball games in my four years at my high school um because there just wasn't you know we had other things to do but we prioritized you know football and basketball whereas we didn't prioritize other sports and they do that here and, and people just love athletics and it makes our job so much easier um, and so much more rewarding because, you know, people, they want to see all those sports and, and they want to see them on TV. And, you know, we get to share the stories and the passion of kids, you know, from all walks of life, from all parts of, of this uh, viewing area and, and what they do. And, and it's just, it, I get excited talking about it. Um, so I can only imagine how excited the people that, that get to live it um, are uh, about what their teams and their coaches and their kids uh, are doing in their communities. I've heard that said by people who have come through here uh, throughout the years. And I remember John Rawlings and I had a conversation one time about how you don't necessarily get to maybe enjoy the things when you're shooting them, so to speak, but you get in the car and you send the package home and uh, you look at it and you just kind of think like, wow, that – that's an amazing moment. Like I, I got paid to do that, but I'm glad that I was here to see that. And I would imagine you've had quite a few of those. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, this is my job, but there are times when it doesn't feel like a job. Um, you know, I got to cover, I can't even remember how many state titles last in this last school year. And obviously would have, probably been more had we been able to finish out the spring um and, and the so winter that's the winter we could have had uh, maybe well, winter, four more spring, yeah 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 uh, uh the winter and the spring um combined 
And, you know, I, I don't know that any of my colleagues in this business and I, you know, I'm, I'm probably speaking like I have to do some real research, but we get to share a lot of, not just kids who love athletics, but kids and teams who are successful in what they do. Um, and, and there's nothing like watching a team win a state title. And I know that, you know, that's not to be all end all for everybody. It's because of the moment that it creates. I, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, but the, the moment that these kids and these historic runs and, um, you, you know, even even in the the dark cloud that the end of, you know, kids not getting to finish that ba- those basketball and wrestling seasons, there was still, while there was a lot of disdain, I think there was, you know, just a little bit of like, we were still able to accomplish so much. That was kind of the, and to have kids be able to handle a situation like that, the, the way that they did, I think it, it spoke volumes to me just about how much these kids don't necessarily so are not necessarily focused on the end goal, but they really just enjoy spending time with their coaches and their their friends and their teammates and all of that and, and what they were able to to kind of build over the last you know few months of their basketball and wrestling seasons and whatnot and um you know I know there was a lot of disappointment and all of that, but yeah, you just sometimes get yeah like John said, you just sometimes get in the car and you're like. I just witnessed history or whatever it may be. Follow you on Twitter at Katie Goholy. My personal favorite thing is to see how news people, and it's always video, how you guys set up establishing shots. So the first shot that you see of a package, <laughs> and it's always funny because I've seen so many videographers do it over the years of, I found my personal favorite now. Uh, you tweeted about a week or so ago, you were in my hometown, and to put the football with the water tower in the background. Kudos to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to, to tweet out all the shots that I made um, this year, and that was just too perfect. Um, when, you, when you've when got a, a water tower with the, with the town's name, like looking over the, the football or football practice field, I mean, that just screams, you know, small town Ohio football, and, and that's what I love. Uh, you know, you say what you want about, um, all the big inner city schools and what they're able to do. And I went to a really big high school. Um, so, so I think I, I can appreciate some of these small schools even more because it's just so different than, than what I grew up with. Um, and I just think there's something unique and special uh, about the schools that we get to cover around here. How many of the previews did you end up doing? I made, what was that? 17? Yeah, it was 17. That yeah. was my like seventh. Yeah, so I did 17 of the, I think we did, I don't know, I have to go back and count. I think we were up to almost 30 or a little over 30, I think, was our final number, but I have to go back and count. But I did about half of them, give or take. So. Tell Jason yeah. to do some, do some more work. Well, he did most of the other half, so no, no, we were short-handed for, <laughs> that's we were not short-handed how that goes. for a little bit. Right. Yeah, you we shorthanded for a little bit, but but you guys do a terrific um, job every night, and uh, I always look forward to seeing what is coming up next. Uh, thank you, I guess, from all the kids uh, for what you guys are doing, but uh, I look forward to seeing what's coming next. Yeah, well, we appreciate that, and we appreciate everyone's viewership, and um, you know, I, that's who we do it for. We do it for the kids and their families and the schools, and just so that people get to to see what's going on in their communities. I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, to be everywhere at once. Um, but, but we try as hard as we can to, to get to all the important events because that's what's important to us is being able to, to showcase all the talent and, and share all the stories of all the, the goodness that's going on. That's the good thing about sports. For the most part, we're always sharing good news. So uh, that keeps things light for, for us. I try to get to multiple games every night, but my wife won't let me clone myself. So <laughs> she said, one's enough. We're good. If we could clone ourselves, that would be great. That would make our jobs like way easier. <laughs> well, yeah, but the funny thing is, is that we're kind of of the same cloth of, you know, people would send them to, to Disney or to whatever. No, we would just send the other one to another game. Yeah. Because sure. we don't know any better. For sure. 
Yeah, no, it would just make our lives easier. <laughs> right, right. Well, again, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. Anytime. I, I always love getting to brag on Northwest Ohio because sometimes I feel like the, maybe the people around here don't know how like lucky they are to have all of these high school athletics and even our, our small colleges. Um, you know, all of these, all of this just passion. I don't know if they realize how passionate they are because they're living it. Um, but from the outside looking in, it, it's just, it's something that I've never experienced. And uh, it's what keeps me going sometimes, just knowing that, that people care so much. And I always want them to know, like, you guys are absolutely awesome that you'll turn out thousands of, of people for uh, a high school volleyball game. Because I don't know that there's a lot of, uh, I know there's not a lot of that going on in Alabama. So I just think that's super cool. That is uh, the uh, sports anchor at Your News Now and uh, Katie Goholy back here in just a few. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062 and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. I talked in an earlier segment about changes from the OHSA's models. Just read this on Twitter. Pre-sale tickets for all the sports will be online, so there will likely be no at-the-gate tournament sales. Sectional and districts will go online to $8 with the fees included. The schools will not get a percentage of football or basketball's pre-sale and will not get any reimbursement of their tournament expenses like in years past. A $25 tournament entry fee will be instituted for bowling, golf, gymnastics, cross-country, and tennis. And the OHSA will not pay bowling tournament lanes fees or golf tournaments greens fees in addition to what I was talking about earlier with the wrestling tournament, the duels, the team tournament suspended for 2021. They'll still have the individual, though, so that's the one piece of uh, good news. Just something to think about on the way out. Michigan Council reinstates the 2020 football season. So interesting how things, again, starting to turn back the other way. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this week's episode and to uh, Kaylee Yoder and Katie Gohuli. You can find Katie on uh, Twitter, at Katie Gohuli. I recommend you follow her. It is uh, always interesting to kind of get a perspective from everything going on and about what's going on in your local area. I hope you enjoyed both conversations. That's all I have for this week. Thanks for tuning in to Around the Hearn. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.